to me, the, probably the most important thing is to understand what the elements are of a, of a viable story idea and to make coming up with one your main priority and take the time and get the feedback necessary on your just ideas before you launch into six months or a year or even several years writing and rewriting a script because you can write and rewrite a script endless times but to make it somewhat better but if it's based on an idea that really was always going to have a tough time moving forward no matter how you execute it a manager or an agent would call that somewhat wasted time any story you can talk about epic poem you can talk about a myth you can talk about a fairy tale or children's book they're all built on character desire and conflict every story that i can think of almost without exception if it's a narrative story that has a beginning middle and end is going to be about a character who desperately wants something and something stands in their way it has to have a hook that gets people instantly involved in the story and and that is a huge part of the story itself. And it's, it's gotta have a very strong character in the story that you care about. And other than that, it has to have twists and turns that lead to a surprise ending. And I, if I had to just say three things, I guess that's what I would say the three things are. Every, every story needs that because a, a story about nothing is not gonna hold anyone's interest. And, and sometimes writers, when they begin their careers, think that they just, if they just write, they can write about anything. But the truth is they need to write from their heart about things that matter to everyone. Uh, and if they do that, you can hardly go wrong. Because stories are really not about words or word choice or anything like that. They're about conveying the power of, of a character facing a dilemma that you have no idea how he or she will will resolve. And uh, when you do that, you've got everyone's attention. Stories in general are not plot. We think they're plot, but they're not. They're emotions. They're, they're moments that generate emotion. So if you become more concerned with the things inside you that feel like they're emotional, and you get those emotions on the page or in a scene, then you can find ways to create the internal logic of a story to bring them together. So, um, um, so it's just shifting from plot into emotion, really. If you're a writer, I think you have to realize identification has nothing to do with who we are in real life. It only has to do with emotion. It only has to do with empathy because we are, there's nothing in real life that would make me like uh, Sully or whatever his name is in Avatar. I'm nothing like Indiana Jones. I'm nothing like the hero of Shrek. But that isn't what, that's not why we go to movies. We don't really go to movies to become characters that are so much like we are. We can see those people by going home. Yeah. And that's, those are the people we want to get away from. What you want to do is create that empathy using those tools so we become them on an emotional, psychological level. That's the fun of it. So we become a space traveler 200 years in the future. We become a soldier of fortune. We become an ogre, whatever. We become a woman uh, on the Titanic. So those two things are really better thought of as disconnected completely, I think. Yeah, also, also along that line, I agree totally with what Michael's saying, but that we, we connect with characters on an emotional level. 
And if you, you take any of the characters that you've mentioned or Michael's mentioned and you say, okay, that person's life is nothing like mine. I am not Shrek. I am not Indiana Jones. I'm, I'm nothing. But my life is so much like him because I suffer and experience all the emotions that he goes through. I, I, I have feelings of abandonment. I have feelings of, of pride. I have feelings of discouragement. In other words, I can identify with him emotionally. Not that I want to be him or be like him, but I like to know that he is actually not that different from me. In other words, there is a similarity, but the similarity is on the emotional experiential level, not on the action level or the career level. If you take, like you mentioned, Titanic, there you have the two lovers on Titanic. Do we all understand falling in love? Yes, hopefully we all do. Do we all understand being in danger? Yes, do we do. Do we all understand fears of death and dying? Yes, we do. Have we ever been on the Titanic? No. Or sinking boat? No. I mean, in other words, we haven't been there. But what we can, the experiences that these a good film will allow us to have with the characters, with, with this, not identifying with the character, except on the emotional level. And that's where we get hooked. And that, that's how we, we um, not only empathize, them, we project ourselves in, into them and we play them. When you read a script, you play all the characters. Even when you watch a film, you actually project yourself inside the character to go on not the um, adventure of Indiana Jones, but the experience, the emotional experience, that ride, that's the ride you want to go on. And, that, and that's what makes us connect potentially with this film on a very, very deep level. What makes a viable idea? So I came up with this little acronym of the word problem because I feel that every story is really about a problem. And it's all about, you know, when someone's reacting to your script or your pitch or your logline, what they're mostly thinking, consciously or not, is, okay, what's the problem at the center of the story? Does this problem sound really compelling and entertaining to watch? Is an audience going to care about this problem that this main character or these characters are trying to solve, whether it's film, television, or even commercial fiction or theater, I think the same kind of basic premises of you know, how story and ideas for story work applies to all of them, which is why the title mentions um, stage and fiction. They're looking at what the problem is. What's the nature of the problem or what's the nature of the goal for the main character, right? So I took problem and I created this acronym from the letters in the word problem. And the book is basically a presentation of these seven elements that start with those seven letters. And those are the elements that I think successful, commercially viable stories that would interest an agent, a manager, a producer, an editor, et cetera, tend to have. You want to hear what they are? Okay. <laughs> so it's just quickly, and we can go deeper if you want. The problem at the center of the story needs to be punishing, relatable, original, believable, life-altering, entertaining, and meaningful. So some of those words, I could have used different words, but they wouldn't fit the problem, so I kind of made it so sure. they all lined up with those seven letters. To me, that's what the story is. What's the central problem here? Uh, we could talk examples if you want, but pretty much any genre, it's about characters who are kind of punished, usually, as they're trying to resolve some situation. And so it's just become second nature to me to think in terms of what's the problem at the center of any 
TV series, TV episode, movie, story in general. And of course, when I look at someone's script or I just see the logline even, I'm, like I said, I'm looking at what's the problem here. And sometimes the logline doesn't even make the problem clear or it focuses too much on the internal problem for the characters because sometimes writers confuse like internal character arc with external problem. And great stories generally have both, but the external problem is kind of the part that people really want to know about when they are assessing your idea. It's like the external problem has to be really solid. The internal arc is a little more optional, but you've got to have that big external problem typically in a commercial type project. And so that's what I'm talking about more than the internal, what the character needs to learn and how they need to grow stuff, which is the arc or the theme or the flaw, you know, that kind of stuff. Sometimes we writers tend to focus a lot on that and make that drive all of our efforts. And what I've learned is it's, it tends to be better to let that stuff stay a little flexible until you've gotten the sort of external problem worked out and even kind of structured out a bit. Because sometimes your sense of what the theme is or what the character's growth should be will change and shift once you've really explored the external problem, the external challenge that they're you know, every scene is typically about them grappling with and trying to resolve. What is the fear that is crippling in some way the character at the beginning of the story and how do they find the courage to overcome that? I talk when I lecture about the terms I use are identity and essence because to me this isn't present in all screenplays. You could have a big action script that doesn't involve a character arc but for most of the of the stories that are layered the character is suffering from some wound. Something happened in the past before the movie began that was so painful that they believe they've dealt with it but they've actually sort of suppressed it. They haven't blacked it out. They know it happened but they think that doesn't bother me anymore. So in Shrek it was his rejection um, or in in uh, Titanic, it was Rose getting drummed in by her mother the idea if you don't have a man to take care of you, you're not going to survive. So those, those wounding experiences created this deep-seated fear and that stuckness that I talked about at the beginning is just them living under that fear and it's preventing them from really doing what they need to do to be, fully, to be fulfilled. Then as the writer, what you have to do is you have to give that character a goal. You have to dangle a carrot in front of your hero that is so enticing, either because it's such a big reward or it's to prevent something horrible from happening, that they are desperate to go after it. So that's the plot of your story is the journey as they go after that goal. But the inner journey is about them in pursuing that goal realizing I'm never going to get it unless I can find this courage that I don't have because I'm too afraid of this wound from the past. Of, uh, so they start in this identity, this false self, and they have to find a way to get to their essence and who they truly are as they gradually find this courage to achieve the goal. And the rule is they can't get the goal in the end of the movie unless they found the courage. And if they do find the courage, they've got to get the, they've got to win. They've got to get the girl or find the buried treasure or stop the serial killer or whatever that goal might be. So it's that intertwining of that outer journey of the plot and the inner journey that the hero takes of transformation that really interests me when I talk about story and script. Even in comedy series on television, one thing I often find myself reminding myself in my own projects and telling other writers that come to me and want feedback and stuff is that your characters should really be in hell and under siege 
pretty much all the time. Like even if you watch a show like 30 Rock, I mean, these are slightly dated references now, but like everybody loves Raymond, but I could also talk about like Veep or Glow or current series. If you really look at what's going on for the characters that we're following, it's basically they're suffering. They're under siege. They're in a sort of hell and they're trying to get out of it pretty much every episode. For us as an audience, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch their reactions to things and just sort of how their characters operate and interact in a comedy, in a drama or a thriller. It's fun in a different way for the audience. It's fun for us. It's never fun for them. You know, even in even in the you know the the Save the Cat book, the Blake Snyder book, um, he talks about the fun and game section, which is the first half of Act Two in a screenplay in his world, and I think he makes some great points. But the fun and game section, even in that section of the movie, which he calls fun and games, I'm all often telling people, I don't think your characters should so much be having fun or enjoying the situation. Your characters are kind of under siege. Even in the first half of Act Two, they're kind of struggling, suffering, being punished by the situation they're in, the upside down world they find themselves in, the problem or goal that they're trying to resolve, which they're an underdog and they're overmatched and the world is not giving them what they want. That's pretty much every story in my view in every genre. So um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting how often writers tend to write scenes of characters kind of getting along and kind of having victories. And I, and I usually say that, you know, in a story, the victories generally only come at the very end. If they come anywhere other than the very end, they're usually very short-lived and often overshadowed by the bigger problem that still demands resolution. Because what keeps the drama or the comedy moving is that sense of there's a problem, I'm trying to solve this problem. There's this goal, I'm trying to reach this goal. Problem and goal are kind of two sides of the same thing. Some stories, the goal is just to solve the problem. In other stories, the goal is its own positive thing, and the problem is I haven't reached the goal. So it's kind of like problem slash goal. I think of it as like the same thing. But that being difficult and unresolved and also changing and evolving and usually getting worse and more complicated over the course of the story or the TV episode or the TV series is kind of this key thing that I'm always looking at. And I think audiences and certainly industry professionals are looking at and evaluating consciously or not. Do I feel the problem is compelling and big? Is it getting worse? You know, are the characters struggling? Is it changing and evolving, but generally in a direction of worse and more difficult until the kind of final battle at the end where the resolution finally happens? So that's why problem is that word that I think I'm always referring to when I'm talking about a story. Right up front is what is the story? What is the movie story? Or what is the TV story? That's where the logline comes in that everybody's so happy to talk about. But it really is a one sentence expression of your intention. If you can't get that down, you might want to go back in and, and, and really re-examine, you know, is there something to write here? So first of all, ask yourself, what is that one sentence expression? Once you have that, then you want to ask yourself, you know, well, what turns you on about that idea? Okay, based on what excites you about that idea, now ask, well, what are the scenes that express that excitement? You know, that really, really show those beats that are that you have to show on screen 
you know, and then keep working backwards from there. Okay, who are the people that populate that scene? What do they say? So if you start big picture and then you keep sort of breaking it down to the things that excite you, the people in it, what they say, I think, I think those are the questions to ask you as you're writing. What's the genre? Is it studio or independent? Um, who's your protagonist? What's their goal? Um, what's their flaw? Um, who's the main relationship? Like, what's driving um, the story? Um, who's your audience? Um, who's the antagonist? What's their goal and their flaw? Um, you know, what's the narrative question driving the film? So, like, every story, you should be able to sum it up in one main question. Like, so, like, die, if I was diehard, would be like, you know, will. The, you know, a New York cop trapped, you know, will this New York cop free his wife and hostages from some European terrorists who have them trapped in a skyscraper? Like, it's like one question, right? Like, so like, what's your narrative question driving this story? And what's your theme? And what's your thematic question? Like, what's, why are you telling this? The thematic question is like the question you pose to the audience. It could be a moral question, it could be, or something else, but some question you want them to think about, like, is family really just people you're related to, or is it something more? You know, it could be your thematic question. It's, it's not overtly stated in the story, but it's kind of like in the film's subconscious. It's like what, you know, the film is really kind of about. And then your theme is how you answer that question by the end. That's your, the theme of your, your story. So, like, what are those things? Um, and I might even be missing a couple, I, but off the top of my head, those are like a lot of, and if you can't answer those questions, or if those questions don't make sense together, a lot of times there's the problems with the story. So for example, if you say your protagonist's goal is, my protagonist's goal is to grab the banana. And what's your antagonist's goal? To grab the orange. Well, they're in two different movies. They're never gonna intersect, there's no conflict. Great, your protagonist grabs the banana and your antagonist grabs the orange, movie's over. And that's a very simplistic example, but those are the kind of things, but on a deeper level we look at and we go, well, here, there's a few things that aren't making sense. You say your main relationship is character A and character B, but your antagonist is character C. They're not even in your main relationship that's moving the story forward. So why are they your, why are they your antagonist? The 12 questions is a great sort of reset. Okay, let me square away. Let me, you know, even if I've done this a hundred times, every story is different and a lot of times you miss those, those important details. And once I think the 12 questions are are making sense now and things are tying together like oh now see how the protagonist goal ties into your theme okay now everything starts puzzle pieces start making sense then i say okay now now let's work out a synopsis three or four paragraphs you know first act second act third act whatever just to, so we can say okay now let's make sure from just a broad story standpoint that all those questions are being addressed and then from there you can expand it to a full treatment and a scene outline and then then start writing your script because like i explained to them a lot easier to develop the story in a synopsis form or a treatment form than it is to keep rewriting the script when there's fundamental problems in it. You don't start building the building and you go, oh, it's slanted. All right, let's start taking out some bricks and try to get straight. You work all of that out in the design phase and the blueprint phase, and so that's what I try to get them to do. And the 12 questions is, is to me, is like, okay, that's that beginning, that, that organic seed that we need to plant to make a healthy tree grow. The best questions a screenwriter can ask themselves to make the story better. One thing is, is how is this my story? How is, whatever this story is, how does it relate to me? So that I can use my emotions to go through, to tell this story better. Because what, the weirdest part about being a screenwriter is that we sit in a room alone, we are isolated from society, we uh, basically are cut off from emotional situations, we hate conflict, we hate all of these things that then we're going to use, those are the elements we need to use to make our story 
passionate and, and emotional and all of those things. So all the things that we sort of fear to deal with, we now have to deal with. And so basically look at the story. One of the things with assignments that I have to find a doorway into an assignment. So if I am offered a deal, if I'm offered something that I read a book, um, whatever, uh, some assignment where they're going to hire you to write the script, I have to look at that and go, how is this story my story so I can tell it honestly? Because if it has nothing to do with me, then I'm just taking money and typing. And the bad part about that is the script will not work. The worst part about it is then you may have to do it a couple of rewrites after that on a script that becomes torture. It's like, I'm just typing this, I'm just writing it, I have no connection to the story. So then it becomes work. And, you know, if any of us, uh, you know, wanted to be, wanted to do work, we wouldn't be writers. Powerful stories ask questions. So they, they, they work in such a way that the audience is co constantly wondering, well, why did that happen? Or where is this taking us? And, and as soon as you, and you have to, you can't ask a question and then answer it at the end. You have to ask a little question. You have to answer it in the next scene or the next chapter or whatever it is, but then you have to pose another question. And so really um, a powerful story is one that continues to ask questions and deliver uh, meaningful answers and, and, and satisfactory answers. Um, I don't remember who said that, but it's something that I've definitely followed in, in my work. And it's a way that I, um, a tool that I use to keep the audience engaged. And I was with two other groups and they were asking questions that you could have found through research, through reading a book, through reading a Tom Clancy book. I was asking questions about if you're on a submarine for four months, what's it like? What is your life like? How do relationships between crew members go? You hot bunk on a submarine, so you don't even have personal space. Your bed is your bed for 12 hours. Then it's another guy's bed for 12 hours. And so you don't even have your own bed. And so I was asking questions like, what if the guy that you're sharing the bed with stinks? And, you know, the answer was, dude, we all stink after a while, you know? And it's like, you just have to get over it. And you know, they talked about, I asked about the smells on the submarine because imagine living in a porta potty for four months and that's kind of one of the elements of living on a submarine. So I got all of the personal stuff um, that was how their, how their lives are affected by their job because the technical stuff I could read, but that stuff you can only get from people. So that's, you know, when you're doing research, you got to talk to the people. You got to do the police ride-alongs. You got to, you know, and when you're on the police ride-along, ask questions that are weird because you're going to li you're liable to get a good answer. If you ask normal questions, you get the what they're going to tell you, you know, they sort of have the the generic answers ready, but if you ask the strange questions, then you get the the stuff. I think who my audience is, you know, um, is the story interesting enough? Usually for my horror stuff, it's like is there enough is there enough stuff in here to care about the characters, but am I also coming up with enough scares that we haven't seen before? Um, those are the kind of things that I, I ask myself. Like, it's interesting because I, I, I love doing it and I've done it for so long that it's, it's definitely, it's not easy work at all. Like people, cause people don't understand, like, again, especially when you're threading a script together and, you know, dissecting it and making sure that everything kind of lines up and in, in pieces together. Um, you want to put your best foot forward, but you also realize that a lot of times that once you sell the script and it's out of your hands, a lot of that stuff just goes out the window. Um, so that's why I'm, I'm not as harsh when I see a movie. I like it. 
I reserve judgment on the writer until I read the actual screenplay because you just never know what changes from page to screen. But for me, it's usually, especially because it's always horror films, it's like, you know, do I think this is, also do I think this is going to strike a chord with people? Like, you know, Final Destination dealt with death, which is kind of a universal fear. So I try to think of concepts that will tap into something that's will reach a wide audience. You know, I'm not going to lie about that. Like I do try to, you know, you, you want to hit as many people as you can, I think, with your concept. But that's what I love about horror, the horror genre. I think themes are, you know, the fears that we have, most people are universal fears um, that aren't, you know, regulated to like one region or one part of the world or, or any, you know, I think we all kind of have the same fears deep down. So that's the thing I think I love about horror is you can kind of tackle a whole bunch of different kind of stories and still have it play well around the world. Screenwriters have to figure out how to get out there in the world, how to get out of there for many reasons. They have to figure out how to get out of their home and out of their comfort zone. Because one of the things that happens is as we shrink our world, we shrink what we can write about. And we end up writing stories, you know, my two years in my, in my apartment after selling the script were just like smaller and smaller and smaller stories because I was not getting out in the world and being part of the world. And it's one of those things where you, you know, life experience is the, is the raw material for your scripts. And the more life experience you have, whatever that is, you know, broken hearts, you know, all that stuff is all part of what makes you who you are. So you write the script, but also if you don't see the world out there, um, people often online now, people will ask questions, uh, research questions and they go, well, how do I know about this? And my answer to that is you find the person that does that for a living and you ask them, you don't ask me, I'm a writer. What the hell do I know? But if you want to know about stuff, you out and ask those people, because part of that is you get out of your comfort zone and into the world, but you also get the real answers. And so I did a script um, called Recall um, that was about the auto industry. And I went to, when it existed, the Van Nuys uh, GM plant and across the street was a bar. And I went into that bar and I bought pitchers of beer. And I asked guys that worked on the assembly line just to tell me about their lives. And I got all kinds of just stuff that I could never get from Google, never get from, you know, going to the library. It was all stuff that was their real life. And one of the things that made it into my script was this guy that talked about how his hands were so calloused that he was afraid to touch his wife. And it was a real heartbreaking story. And it's like one of those things that you don't think about. When you think about guys working on an assembly line, you don't think that there's going to be this thing that's going to affect their their romantic emotional life. And those were the stories, the great stories. Day one, you, you would start with, uh, obviously, the idea. What's your concept? So I think concept is important. Once you know your concept, uh, and there's ways to make that concept appealing, um, the class I'm teaching tomorrow morning will be on, on concept, how to make sure your concept is high. And by high concept, I, don't, I know there's a, there's a term for high concept in Hollywood, but for me it means that there is high appeal, meaning that as soon as you hear the idea, you go, ooh, there's something about it that just like hooks you, and you go, wow, I want, I want to find out what it's about or how it's resolved. So uh, that's what you should have first. The next thing that you should think about for me, and I know there's controversy about that, whether you do that first or later. For me, I need to know what it's about. In other words, what I'm a, this whole story will be a reflection of what you're trying to say. Like what's your theme? What's the meaning of your story? And if you don't know what it is, well, you could try developing a story and write many drafts and then, and then you figure out what it is. You go, okay, that's possible. A lot of writers do that and that's okay. 
But um, I always use uh, Paddy Shayevsky's uh, quote where he says, lucky is the writer who knows his theme from the beginning. Because once you know that, you, you, I, I always suggest you write it in big letters and put it in front of your computer so you see it at all times because most of your characters, most of your scenes, your whole story will be a reflection of what you're trying to sell your theme. And so it's better to know it right away. It'll save you a lot of time from trying to write many drafts and then come back to it and cut what doesn't work and create you know, new things. Uh, but if you know theme, so, so for me it's concept, then theme, and then once you know your theme, then you can create your characters. Because your character will be a reflection, especially if your character has an arc, will be a reflection of that theme. And so you know how, where your character is going to start, and now you know where your character is going to end. And then you can figure out your scenes and your story. In terms of all the stuff I'm talking about, character connection and motivation, all that stuff, those are details that you can add later but what I'm talking about is what the foundation of stories which is what is your story about and how does your character transform to reflect that theme that you're trying to, uh, to convey and um, yeah that's the foundation. When I sit down to write something usually I start with a concept I'm very concept driven just because I think that's working at a studio for so long I know that the concept is what's going to get people's attention or not get it so I start with usually a concept um, and then it think of some scares as well and then start you know with the, building a story around the concept um, is how I approach it but I know a lot of people start from like characters and some people start from a story so it's everybody's got their own personal kind of creative style and how they how, on how they work but for me I always I always start with the concept of the story um, and I try to think at least of a concept that's kind of high concept that you can kind of if you tell somebody in a minute and they're, they're like oh that sounds cool you know um, so that's, that's kind of where I start off when I'm writing. So I try to think a lot about uh, whose story it is, and I'm fine if it's not just one person's story, <laughs> you know? Like I, think of, I try to think about the point of view, and uh, because this leads me to think about the emotions, you know? So I, I question myself a lot how they feel, you know? Uh, and then I usually try to find like a time frame that's something very important. Like in Las Pequeñas Cors, it was three days. In now, like, like with the debut film, it was uh, three months, summer, you know. So for me, it's important to kind of uh, find, yeah, this, uh, this time frame, you know. And then I think a lot about also about the backstory of the characters, because there is something that I, I love to portray a specific moment of the lives of these characters, but I like when you feel that they have a lot of things that happened between them before, you know. So, uh, so it's like basically we as a human beings are who we are because of all of our backstory, you know. So, I love observing people like in real life and see how their relationships uh, work, you know. And and I always wonder why, you know. So I try to kind of uh, imagine their backstory. So that's uh, that's like my little game with the people I meet, you know. So. Uh, so that, that's something that I really like to do as well when I start writing and think, okay, so the audience are just going to see this moment, but what's behind that, like, like what's before all that, you know? I have inside-out writing and, and outside-in writing, um, and the outside-in will tend to be something where there's kind of an external story, and then so you're kind of you've got the container a little bit and then you're figuring out all of the ways that you're furnishing and arranging what's in that container and generating some new stuff. Um, but, and then 
when occasionally I, I have the luxury of doing kind of what I call the inside out where you just, you have almost nothing. You have like, you woke up in the middle of the night with like an image in your head or, you know, you just kind of this very fragmentary thing, like a grain of sand. And, and then it's like you're making stone, narrative stone soup. You're like, here's the pebble. And then, you know, do you know the story of stone, stone soup? You know, they go around, they get the, the meat and the carrots and, and everything. And then it's more like, it's like found art, like just pulling all of the, the things from your life, your memories and what's going on. And, and you're kind of building it out from, from this little thing and it becomes something um, where you really didn't have much of an idea what it was gonna be at all. And so that's, that's pretty fun. I like to sit and think about the idea. And then I like to think about the character, who that woman or man is, and what they're like and what their world looks like. And then I just start to think about what the movie might look like in my head. And once I sort of start seeing the movie itself in my head, then I start writing it. I don't know how it's gonna end necessarily, unless it's a thriller. If it's a thriller, I need to know how it's gonna end so I can know where I gotta go, if that makes sense. You know, because you always want to have that ending that people go, oh. so you think of the ending first. Like, what would be a cool, oh. and then, oh, okay, now how do I get there? So I go backward if it's a thriller. If it's not a thriller, if it's just a story about people and life and love or whatever it is, then I don't really think that much about what's going to happen. I just sort of think about the people and where they are and where I want them to be, what the world's like, what they enjoy. There's usually a lot of wine involved because I enjoy some wine. I think the first steps when I when I begin to write is a lot of thinking about thinking about it. Like I don't, I'm not really good at just sitting down and starting to bang it out. And I don't really, oftentimes I don't write an outline. It's not like I have to make an outline first and then write the script. So for me, usually it's a couple of ideas that just won't go away. And so if those ideas won't go away, then that means that there's something, hopefully there's something there. And I just let it percolate. And it has a sort of magnetic, if it's a good idea, and these are rare, because it's not like I have like, never been one of those guys that just like, you know, is able to spin a good yarn and have a million stories I want to tell. But in the case of Search and Rescue, it was just a couple of ideas started to sort of bind together. And I think some of them were ideas that I had for other movies that didn't go anywhere. Like in other words, they were that's in, it's now that I think about it, there were there were several different ideas and characters that had been I had been developing for other movies that didn't sustain themselves. They were good, but they didn't for some reason they didn't belong in whatever movie I was thinking I was trying to make. And so it all started to kind of combine into this one film. But you know what? I, you know that's specific to this particular movie, and every writing, every writing process is different. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, "I need you to write Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus in two weeks," that's a different, that's a different process. That's when you sit down and you know figure out, you know, okay, Act One, this that should happen, and this should, you know, that's when I do that. So, so you know, work for hire, that has to be of a, of a you know, I think that's easier. Uh, a simpler genre is easier to do than, than, than this. 
but I really did have to think about it and I really did have to draw from a lot of things that had been dormant, ideas that had been dormant that sort of all sort of coalesced to, to form this thing. That's how it started. Then I did, then of course I had to sit down and write every day. Like everybody else, you have to write it, you know, you can think about it all day long, but you have to write it. For me, I let it sit for a while, you know, I let it sit for a while. And I, I tend to, what I've learned for me over the years, from my own personal kind of instrument, is that when I first started, I would get excited about an idea, and I would tell everyone about it. I would call my, my brother, I would tell my friend, I would, tell, I would call you and tell you, I would call him and tell, you know. And then, because, because you're excited about it, and I think that's a good energy to have when you have a story to tell. But what I do now is that I don't tell anyone about it. And I think that's important for me. Interesting. Because I think you wanna, it's almost like a boxer. You wanna get into the ring with as much energy as possible so that when the bell rings, you're coming out, you know, swinging. And, and what I discovered over the years is that when you spend all your energy telling people about it, and then you get in front of the computer, you have no energy. You're done telling people about it, right? So for me, I keep it all bagged up. I get excited about it and I talk to myself about it and I think about it a whole lot. And I get it to the point where it's about, for me, it's about 70% done. I never want to get to the point where it's 100% done because you want to allow for some room for inspiration and changes. So I get it to the, for me, I get it to the point where it's about 70% figured out. And then there's all this kind of energy kind of boiling. And then I, wake up really early in the morning, have my coffee, and I just sort of like spend all that energy getting it out onto the page. And then it's on the page, and then you have a little bit of, you know, kind of security, and then you can maybe tell people about one scene or whatever, but, you know, I, I, I think it's good to keep the energy wrapped up. Well, it depends on which script, it depends on this, where the story is coming from. But generally speaking, uh, I don't, have a backstory um, beyond a sentence or two, okay? You know, I don't know what they, you know, what they were like in sixth grade or anything like that. I just kind of take from people in real life or combine people in real life or think of people I know. And I, again, I just bounce these characters off each other knowing that this one is, you know, sort of uh, feisty and this one is sort of mellow, and this one is sort of this, and then you can add on the second and the third adjective sort of as you, as you go. But I think in the, in the beginning, if I'm gonna introduce a character that I've never written in my life, you know, I uh, say, you know, Joe, 25, um, persistent, you know, I don't know, I'll say two adjectives, and then I'll just move forward. That's it, it's real, real quick. Um, and then I don't necessarily have to deliver on those adjectives if I feel like it's going in another direction. Maybe he's not persistent. <laughs> maybe, he's, maybe he's lackluster. Maybe he's lazy. I don't know. I have to like write him out a little bit. I have to let him talk in order to, to, to know. Um, but the dynamic between characters is important and the chemistry. So I always start there. That's where I start. And the story and the concept I have as like, you know, a sentence. It's, just, it's not an outline, it's not an, it, that's not detailed or in depth. The first draft will be detailed um, to the absolute 
ex to the extent it needs to be in order to be concise to the point and not dragging anywhere where we don't need to be in in particularly in the action so uh, we enter this room am I going to tell you that it's got blue walls and a couch no because the characters are what are important and the room is for the director that's not my job on the screenwriter the room is for the director to decide and if you're the director and the screenwriter great or whatever but you know people respond to characters first and foremost and so that's just really the most detailed part of my screenplays the action I would say is the briefest part of my scripts I'll spend quite a bit of time outlining before I even write the full like I'll usually have a complete full outline and then jump into the story so I'll have a really specific idea of the objective of every single scene um, and ultimately it saves me time uh, when I first started writing I was anti-outline I kind of had the uh, attitude you know it's the young attitude of just like you know I'm just gonna write and my my guts gonna tell me what's right and what it's meaningful and stuff like that and that works for a lot of writers but I noticed that I would hit a lot of dead ends and I became emotionally attached to those dead ends and then it became really hard to rewrite until I just drove my stories off the cliff. And so little by little, the more I, you know, honestly that Ron Mita 24 plot point thing was huge because it was, it was so simple. You could literally sit there and just plot out a story in an hour and you'd have a really good idea of where it was going. And then from there, you're, you know, that's, to me that's when you go from like, you know, discovering your story to actually becoming a craftsman or a craftsperson where you're working on the story and taking control of it and then you start to st take a step back and then, you know, it, it's almost like a render machine. You're rendering your story before you ever sit down and write it. So then the script really just becomes kind of a, a secondary artifact of all the work that you've put into it. So yeah, I spend a lot of time outlining. It, it's, and it's, you know, a lot of people feel like it takes away from the creative process. Usually that's kind of the writer saying, well, I want to be in the audience too. And I want to experience and be surprised by it. But outlining doesn't take away from that because what happens when you sit down, like you've outlined, you've got your outline right here. And then when you're writing, you put yourself in the moment, you're, you're in the skin of the writer or the character and you, you're experiencing it. And then if your gut tells you to try something different, try something different, see where it goes. So you're still, you know, the whole um, uh, gardener versus architect, the pantser versus plotter kind of thing. I call it, what is it, the, uh, the assassin versus the berserker. Um, basically the idea, like the, the planner versus the person that just sees what happens next. And I, I think it's important to, to um, understand the consequences of the choices you're making but the whole process of writing is an experiment. Art is an experiment. And the, the only thing that rules it is, do we make it emotionally resonant for somebody else? And as artists, we get to decide how much that is, like how, how we build that relationship. So for me, it feels like it's like, um, like a map. You're zooming in and you, know, you can do the, the street view where you're in the character and you're just driving along and you're like, yeah, I feel this. I'm going through this street. And that's when you're writing. But then you pull back, you zoom out, and you see the overview of where you're going, and that's the outline. But generally speaking, the average person would benefit from taking the time to plan out where their story's gonna go, 
have a good idea of how it's going to end and then, you know, work toward that. Well, I, I'll come up with an idea, right? Or I'll come up with a character or I'll come up with a theory. Um, and most of the time for me, it's like, it's a thesis, it's something. And I think that might be because I, I, I read, I, I love to read so much literature and I, and I kind of come from philosophy that I, I develop a thesis or something that I want to say. Um, and then I find characters that I think I can embody that purpose and that, that can function in a story. It kind of carries this idea throughout it. Um, so I can communicate what I want to say in a story and through characters. So always comes starts with an idea or a thesis or a theory that I want to talk about. And the characters in the story kind of all fall in line from there. Um, then I'll just, you know, kind of binge watch a bunch of movies that apply. And I'll just write, you know, I carry a little notebook around me everywhere I go. So, because I don't really type that much. I, I mean, I type, but I, I don't really write my script until I've written it, handwritten it a bunch of times in a bunch of different ways. And I've kind of flushed out my characters and that only then do I write the plot um, because I think that at least in, right now in the stories that I'm trying to tell, it's the characters motivate the plot rather than the plot motivating the characters. So I want to really know my characters like they're friends of mine, like they're my best friends, my childhood friends. And so once I know them, I kind of know the world. Once I know the world, I know the story. I think everyone is different. Um... Sometimes you'll get just a log line. Sometimes you'll see an image. Um, sometimes you'll get the name of it, but not know specifically what the story is yet. Um, usually what I try to do is like, uh, as I start, um, I have like this, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, speech notes, I think it is. There's a app called Speech Notes. Um, and so I'll, I'll start to get information little bits and pieces about a story uh, I'll start jotting them down um, in my phone and um, usually once I kind of have a good idea of what that story is um, I always start with the outline like I um, anytime before I write a script I always uh, outline the entire script um, scene one scene two scene three and then I'll have like uh, a couple of a couple of uh, lines of information to describe the this the scene so uh, this is how i like avoid writer's block like uh, i always outline the entire script from front to back so um when i start writing i just write from 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 that uh, those script notes um but yeah i usually start there i start uh with just a an idea outline it uh, i i always decide early on um what the lighting's gonna be, how the camera's gonna move, the color, everything. Like um, before I even go into pre-production, like I, I, um, I have a, a full idea of the style, the look of it, um, the pacing of it, the tone of it, um, and um, yeah. Once I do that, I I start writing the script. Um, I have a team that uh, I work with, and. Um, I usually tell them pretty pretty early on like what the what the concept is and um how I want to approach it and um 
Yeah, I sort of, I sort of go from there. I will say one thing that I think could be very interesting to people uh, that are writers is is um, what I do is I outline a script very meticulously, and my outlines are about 25 pages to 30 pages long. And then when I go to write the actual first draft, I will not reread one word of what I've written until I've written the whole script. So for my first pass on a screenplay, I start from the beginning and then I just go. And I go all the way through until I'm done without having read one word of it. And it takes about three weeks. So in three weeks, I've written a whole draft and it's a lot of fun because there is no judgment whatsoever. <laughs> I'm just writing straight through. And then I go through and very meticulously work through the scenes. Um, and that takes two to three weeks. And then in six weeks, I have a draft, but it's really two drafts because I've done one straight through and then one this sort of meticulous work through. And I will say that the second phase of it, the meticulous work through phase, is uh, the least enjoyable part of the whole process because it's the most critical where I just for a couple weeks, it's just I have to work through these scenes and, and, uh, and then, but I just do it. And then after that, I have a draft to work off of. And then there's many drafts after that, but it's, it's I have this nice foundation. I've never understood the staring at the blank page because by the time I'm ready to write a scene, I've already had like pages of writing. I can't, it's like the slingshot. You're just like slowly like preparing, like uh, getting all the scenes, getting the character, getting the plot, the conflict. You know what every character wants. So when you sit down, you're ready to write, you let go and you're just flying, you know. But it's, um, but it really comes down to everybody discovering their own process, you know. And I, I'm not a purist, like lots of people don't outline and they're very good writers, they're very successful. And a lot of that's the, the intuition or their experience that informs it. I don't have writer's block. I don't, it's not a very dramatic thing. There's no inspiration. I don't wait for inspiration. I say inspiration is for amateurs. Amateurs get inspired, professionals just go do it. And, um, and it's not even very dramatic anymore. I mean, I just go and I know I'm gonna do it. I mean, I know I'm gonna get stuff done. Uh, and it's very productive, to be honest with you. I find that, that I get a lot of writing done because I don't make a big deal about it. I don't, it's not this big dramatic thing for me. I just show up and then I just get going. And like I said, it takes sometimes an hour, an hour and a half to actually get started. Occasionally two hours. Uh, and then we, and then I just start going and I try to be non-judgmental of it. And I don't sit there and question it or think that I'm not talented or I, I just try and do it. And then, um, and then there's a phase when you have to edit it and go through it. And that can be more, um, you know, that's a more critical part of your brain but um, I do my best to not beat myself up about it. And if I don't like something, I just change it. And I just keep working on it and working on it and not turn it into some big melodramatic artist struggle. I don't, I don't view it that way at all. I don't necessarily have like a list of screenplays, like read these screenplays and then you're gonna be an awesome screenwriter. It's more, um, give yourself exposure to a lot of different styles of writing, a lot of different genres. I love Aaron Sorkin, obviously, right? Um, so The Social Network, that's one, that's a screenplay that I've read over and over again. Um, I really love Alex Garland's Ex Machina. Um, that's one of my favorite films. It's a really well done screenplay. Again, it's, you know, a theme and a genre that I'm interested in. Lately, I have actually, um, I've been revisiting The Truman Show, uh, that, that screenplay. Um, 
because when when that came out, it was it was very you know novel. It was a very interesting idea, and um, it it actually uh, shaped me in a lot of ways. Because you know you have those moments where you're like, am I on the Truman Show? Like how powerful of a screenplay to be able to do that and to to create like a psychosis. Everybody says you have to write and read every day because it's true. Um, if you're if you're writing every day you know, the next day you're going to, you're going to write a little better than you did the day before. And in four years, you're going to be a much better writer than you were four years ago. And I think a lot of writers, you're waiting to, for the world to give you permission to pursue your craft. And you just need to, you need to give yourself that permission. You need to show up and say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I might not be very good right now, or, um, you know, maybe I am great and I don't know it yet. You won't know either way unless you put yourself out there. And sitting down every day, whether that's you know for an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, somewhere in between, um, the timing doesn't matter. And it really doesn't even matter you know, if you're writing a thousand words or if you're writing 50. The important thing is that you're writing. So when I wrote my first screenplay, uh, I did a lot. Now, this is the difference between writing a screenplay and when I was directing. Before I wrote my first screenplay, of course, see, it feels is like, you know, you, I don't think as a screenwriter, I don't think that you can really be a solid screenwriter if you, if you haven't studied Sid Fields. You know, and I read a lot of screenplays, uh, tons of screenplays before I even started writing screenplays. Uh, I read Sid Fields' book and I continue to read his books, you know, um, but tons of screenplays. And so when I first wrote my first screenplay, you know, and I started, you know, it never got produced, of course. And uh, I took it out, people read it. It was like, it was pretty decent, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So it was only, uh, I wrote, it was only after, after writing at least 10 screenplays before I actually decided, you know, before I actually produced my own stuff. They should have beside them a list of the 100 most recent screenplays that they have read. The published ones, the successful ones. Okay, I'll give you a break, make it 50. You are not ready to write until you are very well-read and well-versed in the literature you are proposing to create. And in this, in this place, it's screenwriting. Um, I would say systematize your organization. The first thing you have to do, see, a really bad habit that most screenwriters have is they got a great idea and they're cooking and they just start writing screenplay. I'm writing screenplay pages. Oh boy. And it's fun, but uh, it's going nowhere ultimately without a plan and a very well thought out. The hard work is in the outline and it has to be a very complete outline and you have to have confidence that all story problems have been addressed. So the first thing you have to do is the dirty work, the outline, write yourself. I would say hero goal sequences because I happen to think it and I happen to know that it works. But however, you know, beat sheet, however they do it, have a very complete outline. Um, and then good bloody luck. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, And then I would also say, yeah, you write it on a little piece of paper and tape it above your desk. Write badly with pride. <laughs> no, <laughs> no writer's block, none. Just write badly with pride. Write a piece of, piece of junk. 
You know, if you haven't, if you're just sitting there staring at the wall for an hour, okay. What would you write if you were just really writing trash, really writing garbage? Go for it. Because you never know uh, when the real ideas, the depth of what you are doing will be sparked. You just don't know. You don't know. What that story is, and, and you know, it's not that cliche, write what you know, because I've never written what I quote unquote know. I, I write fantastical worlds and, 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 uh, and, and uh, supernatural s stories and all of that. But write what you feel and write what's in your heart and write something that means something to you. And you know, I, I, I was a script reader for, God, probably a decade. And, and, uh, the, and, and I was reading seven, eight scripts a week. Uh, and the rare one was the great script. And when you found that, that was a very exciting day at the office. And sometimes the really terrible scripts were kind of, they were fun because they were so god-awful. But the ones that, that got really exhausting and really enervating is a script reader who's sitting there and has to read a script, synopsize it, write a comment about it, then pick up another one and read it. And so were the ones that you could tell were written by people who were looking at what last year's hit was and trying to imitate it. And... Uh, those were deadly and they were they weren't good they weren't bad they were safe and mediocre and any writer any young writer any old writer anyone who's just starting to write anything write something that you feel right right write, write something that comes from the heart and, and, and people may not think that Beetlejuice is a personal movie. It's an intensely personal movie. It was intensely personal for Michael and me. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I didn't know I had a theme until I had enough work to realize I had a theme. And almost everything I've written are about broken families who are put back together in some bizarre way. But, there, but, but because I came from a broken family. And, 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 uh, what, and, and, and so, so there's a, I, I like to think that my work has a sense of heart and a sense of compassion and a sense of humanity in it, no matter how bizarre it is, no matter how weird the worlds get. Uh, uh, and and you've you got, you got to write something that you feel and something that, that you have some passion for. Or just why do it? It's too hard. It's just, it's, it, 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 it's not an easy job. And, and I personally can't imagine saying, well, this was a hit. Now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write my version of that. I don't really, it's not really what I care about, what I feel, but I can imitate it well enough. I, I can't imagine spending a year of your life doing that, but people do it all the time. And they usually write mediocre scripts. The, the beating yourself up and the I have no talent or this is terrible or I, I'll, I'll work with a writer um, and they'll say, oh, that was shit. And I said, don't, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it if it's good or bad. Just let's just take a look at it and see what, what could be improved. There's no reason to be so caustic and hostile about the material. It's just words on a screen. You can change them. It's, it's just, just change them. Um, so that's very much uh, something that guides me in, in my work. 
it is tough, I think, to be really original. Um, and, you know, it goes back to your question about writing things that are really personal to you. You know, sometimes the most original things do come from taking your real life or taking something you witnessed or experienced and using that as fodder for material. So there, there is, there can be a value for that if you can also do what I talked about, which is find a way to have perspective on it so you can make it viable, entertaining, compelling to you know millions of people that don't know you. It's not an easy thing to do. But you know, originality is it's a tricky one um, because you can only be so original because you know so many things have already been done, right? So many types of stories and genres and types of story situations. I mean, I just saw Eighth Grade last night, yeah, which you know was a very original voice, uh-huh. um, but it's about something that we've seen four million examples of, which is a kind of misfit teen who the popular people are mean to, trying to find their way in the social universe of school. Like, is there anything that's been done more often than that? (laughs) But yet, you watch the movie, and because it felt authentic and real and specific and vivid and done not in exactly the way we've seen it before, and it had some currency because there was a whole social media aspect to it where she has like a vlog and she's on Instagram all the time. You know, it feels like it's very much about that problem for today's eighth graders in a certain setting. So you update it, you make it current, you make it specific. I think that's the thing. It's not that it has to be an idea that is so out there and different and special, because sometimes that can be a trap. If you try to be too original, sometimes you end up writing things that are contrived or hard to believe or hard to understand because your focus is on it has to be different from everything else. When a writer focuses too much on originality, I I wrote in this book, sometimes they're doing it at the expense of these other important elements of what makes a viable story idea. Like it may not be as compelling or as entertaining or as relatable or these other things because they're mainly focused on, yeah, but no one's ever seen it before. Doesn't matter though if no one's ever seen it before if it doesn't grab the audience or the reader in the ways that great stories always have. So you always have to balance the need for originality with those other elements. Um, that being said, you're right that an original voice is highly valued in a new writer. But it's like finding a way to have that original, I think authentic's a better word, that authenticity where things feel so real so believable but so like well observed and unique and we haven't seen it quite this way before because something in this writer's way of seeing the world and people came up with this version of it that is very memorable even if it's within the context of something that is somewhat familiar you know like a sh- like if you look at napoleon dynamite in its day kind of the same thing very original voice but it's about an awkward teen who doesn't fit in and people, you know, push him into lockers, you know, kind of thing. But when you watch it, you're mainly focused on the authenticity, the originality of it, not noticing that this is a story form or a genre or a type of story problem that we've seen endless variations on before. So it's kind of like you're taking something that's been done in terms of a genre usually, but you're putting a very fresh, unique, current, specific spin on it. I'd ask them if they had an idea, and then I would just say, pull out your laptop or your notebook with your pen and start writing it. I wouldn't I wouldn't even tell them about format. I would just be like, describe the movie. Everybody knows what a movie is. Everybody knows, everybody's seen it. They're, like our visual vocabulary is so high, especially now, 2018, 2019. I mean, you know, 
anybody can describe it. The, the problem is we still, when we start educating people, we're like, read six books, these six books, take this course, do this stuff, watch this video. You know, like it's like- <laughs> But not this video. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you can watch this video, but that's what I would do. If somebody was like, I wanna write a movie and I don't know anything about it, I'd be like, what do you wanna write about? Like, what's your idea? And they probably have the idea. They're not like, well, I don't know what the idea is. Though they're gonna be like, well, actually, I wanna write about this guy who wants to do this thing. And I'd be like, okay, start describing it. Just describe it. And then I might say something like, don't talk up, don't describe their thoughts and don't describe their feelings, any character. Don't describe the insides. Just describe what you would see on a, on a movie screen. You know, it's just like, and you know, exterior house day, man walks across and gets in the car, drives away. You know, do not care about doing anything wrong. Just spill your guts. Just tell us the movie, write down the whole movie. We'll figure all that other stuff later. You can figure out where things are supposed to be later. You can figure out everything. I mean, you know, there's so many stories about that where they didn't know what they were doing. You know, they wrote Bridesmaids that way. They didn't know why they brought, they bought screenwriting for dummies or something like that, right? So it's like that fresh voice, it's like, ah, oh, it breaks my heart thinking about all the people that, have, that think they have because we've created this industry where it's all coded and they gotta go take, oh, you gotta learn. You have to learn structure. You have to learn this. You gotta learn all these things. You gotta know what a screenplay is, man. You gotta know what the rules are before you break them. That's all crap to sell books and all sorts of stuff. It doesn't, it's, it, we, oh God, please bring them in that don't know anything about movies and maybe we'll have better movies. I mean, that's the problem. It's like, it's like all this other stuff. It's like, bring in that person. It's just like, I have, as a teacher, I have had people come in with formatting that's just like, does not, they don't know what, the, they don't have access to final draft. I don't know what they're writing. And it's the most authentic slice of life, funny, succinct, observational, genius stuff. And they don't know, and the, the reason why it exists is because they haven't learned anything about screenwriting yet. And then once you start teaching them, then all of a sudden they, 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 they don't know what they're doing. Then they don't, then they lose their emotional connection. They lose that story. Four-year-olds know how to tell a story. They know how to tell a story. Ask a five-year-old, what happened today at school? Well, we went in, beginning, middle, and end, the inciting incident. You can tape it and you can go, inciting incident. So you guys should film courage to do. You should interview a friggin' 10-year-old and then put the little flags in and be like, wow, they know all the structure already. So I don't have to go to so-and-so person's course or I don't have to take Gordy's class or anything. You know, you don't have to spend any money and keep your voice. That's the most important thing. I was a, it's like, don't lose your voice. Don't lose your instincts, your childlike instincts for telling stories. It's like, that's what guides us. And I always go back to that. I'm like, I don't care. The thing I just wrote for somebody that in all likelihood, people who are watching this video will see, I don't know what the structure is. I don't know where the act breaks are in it. And it's over 150 pages, okay? It was a writer, I mean, and it's probably gonna be seen by people watching this video, directed by a very, very good top director 
This is going to happen. And I have no idea what the structure of that is. I literally just took my ideas, plotted out the thing. Now, am I following the rules of character and emotional engagement to like develop and everything? Things you can reflect back on and be like, how do I make this better? But when you're telling me, when somebody's like, what's the five minute version of like somebody wants to write a movie, that's, they watch this video, what I just said.